0: Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, the defending, the defending, the fanging, the undisputed the 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 universal heavyweight champion. Wildcat Radio 2.0. Bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, Wildcats? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I am Adam Green, joined once again by Brett Barry, and we are recording from the Vivid Seat Studio. Brett, I'm losing track of how many shows this is for you because I think we're still on one hand, right? I believe so. Okay, that's good because I can get through one hand, two hands. I don't want to start taking my shoes off because that, no one wants that, I don't think. It would just create a very uncomfortable environment in the Vivid Seat Studio, and we don't, we don't want that. Um, got a good show planned for today. And unlike the last couple weeks where we've been starting off with basketball, we're going to start off with football here. Basketball, we're going to get to basketball the fun things. Don't worry. Arizona won the Wooden Classic. That was nice. It was a little bit uncomfortable at times, but they won. And there were some pretty big moments, big plays, big performances. But, Brett, let's lead with the bad news first. Football. Territorial Cup. Arizona loses to Arizona State 24-14. to And you predicted a loss. I predicted a win. You were right. But, but it was it was one of those games where you look back on it, and we were both there. we were at the game together with our girlfriends and some friends like when you look back at this game twenty four to fourteen, what sticks out at you because nothing sticks out at me as far as like remember that play, remember that moment, that call, that anything just a s u was okay, Arizona was a little bit less than okay, and a s u won
1: yeah, I think that's a fair way of framing it. You know, ASU didn't do anything to lose the game. We didn't do anything to win the game. and
0: Like, that's it, right? That's, and that's what happens. <laughs> you know, Arizona, it, it was a decent start. There was nothing-nothing in the first quarter. And Arizona, we were watching the game, and you're like, okay, the Wildcats are moving the ball, but they can't get any offense. Missed a field goal, Lucas Havis, like a long one. So it's like, okay, you don't expect to make that necessarily, but he's capable. And then Arizona takes a 7 nothing lead or gets the lead in this game, and they're up 7-3, to three, driving towards the end of the first half in ASU territory, and Khalil Tate throws an interception. And it looked like it was to Jalen Curry, to Booby Curry. Curry thought it was a run play. Tate threw the ball. When a receiver's not looking for the ball, he's trying to block. There's a decent chance that it's going to be intercepted. It was. ASU takes that into a field goal of their own. Still, Arizona was up 7-6 at halftime, but the second half, of course, was pretty much all ASU and, you know, Benjamin, they just ran the ball down Arizona. I think they threw two passes, completed one of them. So, hey, some teams have to throw in the second half <laughs> to win Ryler. But it was, it's hard to be mad at Arizona. Like they, the defense played hard like they have all season long. They gave the team a chance in the first half, and even offensively, the Wildcats moved the ball. Colote got the start, played the entire game, and he threw three interceptions. One of them clearly wasn't his fault, the third one. The right. second one... <sighs> It's it's hard to say, and he missed on some throws, too. He wasn't terrible. He ran the ball hard. He ran the ball pretty well. He made some plays with his arms. But the running game wasn't as good as Arizona needed it to be. And the defense, as was the case against Washington, as was the case against USC, as was the case against Utah, you could say, they couldn't put together 60 minutes. They gave you 30. They couldn't do 16. In those games, the offense needed to do more. 14 points, including seven that came late in this game. That's clearly not enough.
1: Yeah, the, the whole game felt like an encapsulation of the season to a large extent yeah. in, that, in that regard. And <laughs> one could even ex- uh, expand that to say it's an encapsulation of the Cleo Tate era.
0: <laughs> like close to being good enough. Yeah.
1: Tantalizing plays once in a while. Be like, hey, maybe we can win this. And then you still end up getting beat largely based on line play and a lack of
0: depth. Yeah, and that's what you look at. ASU, they were every bit as average as everyone thought they were. Jaden Daniels, 12-19, 104 yards. That was it. He had one good scramble. I remember I think it was Justin Belknap had him and turned into a first down. That led to a touchdown. But he was fine. That's what you go back to. ASU, and that's what's the case for them most of the season, they would play fine. They didn't beat themselves with turnovers. They didn't beat themselves with stupid penalties. They would just wait for you to beat yourself like to beat yeah. yourself for them. And Arizona, as was the case and I forget what the stat was. they hadn't had to throw an interception in a handful of games before this one, but they would do just enough it would be a special team's mistake. You missed two field goals. That's six points, including one was a chip shot They in the game from Haversick. You miss two field goals, you throw three interceptions, you don't get any turnovers. Like at some point, Arizona's not talented enough to beat other teams playing like that if the other team doesn't trip over its own feet too
1: yeah the, i mean the turnovers are really what was the differentiating factor in the game right if if we don't have those interceptions
0: there's more points on the board it's an
1: ugly competitive game
0: it right? was still somewhat competitive it never really sure. felt like arizona was in the second half once asu took the lead and expanded it was 24 to 7 you're like oh okay you know that's that's that or i think it made it yeah and you're like oh well they're not going to come back but arizona's again asu wasn't they weren't dominating Arizona's offense. Watch, you're like, okay, Khalil Tate's moving the ball. They're getting first downs. There were very few threats. There was a good punt in the game, even. Arizona had one. But just they didn't have enough. They couldn't finish. And that was the case a lot of times for this offense late in the season. And I guess watching it, were you surprised that Khalil Tate played the whole game? Well, normally they got to start, and two, that he played the entire game.
1: I'm not surprised. I mean, I think I said in the, the previous podcast, I thought Grant Gannell was actually the better fit to win this game from a game manager perspective uh kind of taking the asu coaching approach of almost like you know avoid the high risk plays yeah. and go for the slow steady hope that you know hope that you don't mess up and let the other team beat themselves clearly the decision was made that it's going to be khalil tate's swan song and again that's why Ride i feel like it almost with them and see if it kind of encapsulates rab- more rabbit out of his hat and he had a couple of like I said, it encapsulates his whole career. He had a couple of amazing plays, a couple of ones where it's, you know, questionable whether it was him or on the receiver.
0: That, you know, when we you went off a of Bam Smith, that I'm going to put yeah, on the receiver. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, sure. Well, I'm talking about, like, like the Booby Curry ball, I one. think, to Castile who stopped on his route. It looked like it was overthrown anyway. Yeah. But who to say it's intercepted if he at least goes out there and fights for the ball. Well, but, you know, the, the funny but thing But is, it wasn't a great read. That was a bad read that turned into an interception.
1: Well, and the funny thing is, not to you know, crap on Khalil Tate, but if if it's a senior quarterback and a wide receiver freshman, you're generally going to blame the freshman. What does it say that we go, ah, we don't know who messed up well, on right, that, and if it's a read
0: option, if one... I, I know, but... In it, like, the last game of the season, you hope those mistakes aren't happening. The communication sure. should be there. But Arizona in this game, they had 383 yards of total offense. Not where we've seen them when they're good games, but it wasn't the worst performance ever. 7-15 on third downs, that's... Pretty solid, nearly thirty, you know, nearly fifty percent. Um, Tate had a not a terrible game, two hundred twenty-eight yards, two touchdown passes. He ran the ball pretty well. to is running hard, like you could tell he tried mm-hmm. in this game. Arizona eight penalties, ninety yards, which is doubled up exactly what ASU had. They had four for forty-five. But Kevin, someone after the game, he was talking about it too, where he said Khalil Tate had the better week of practice and he was wasn't playing bad. They thought so, he just kept going with them. I, don't, I game, don't believe that fully, uh, though. I, I, I do the extent that if, if you know, it was going to be a game that you were going to start him just to start him, it would have been senior day against Utah. You're not going to sure. win that game anyway. You're at home. You don't give him the courtesy senior start at ASU. Are you suggesting our coaches have made questionable decisions at times, maybe? At times? <laughs> I'd say. And even in this game, there was... there. I mean, this was... You said it right, Brett. This was Arizona's season and that... This game was winnable, and that's disappointing. Like... There have been other games we talk about where Arizona has been the better team when they lost to ASU. I'm not going to say Arizona was the better team than ASU. That's fair. But the difference between the two of them was so small where one fewer interception, maybe the first one, if Arizona scores even a field goal, let's make one, let's make two more field goals in the first half. Right? Heverson makes the long one early and then they make one at the end of the first half. Arizona's up, what, 10, 13 to three at halftime. Now, I saw the state Arizona had a lead at halftime. I lost like four games against ASU and lost them all, or what it's been. I'm just like, wow, that's that's upsetting. 7 6. I'm not sure anybody thought, okay, this is going to continue. Arizona's going to hold them that, to that. But Arizona was in this game, and they mm-hmm. gave you a chance. They gave themselves a chance. And defensively, Eno Benjamin just ran all over them in the second half. And I don't know if it was adjustments by ASU's offense or just a commitment or Arizona's defense being on the field a lot. And that's what someone said too after the game that they just wore down so... Like, you know, Benjamin's also really good. He is good. <laughs> he is good. And, and that's the thing. Like, ASU stars in this game, like, Brandon Ayuk didn't really do anything. They didn't throw the ball at all. This was some of Arizona's better offensive performance when they can run the ball. It wasn't like ASU put up a ton of yards rushing. They had two to 34 yards rushing, which is not a bad total. Arizona had 155. Like, statistically... But half of that was Tate. <laughs> yeah, but that's but that's part of your running game. Yeah, but
1: you got what fourteen carries for JJ Taylor, and he didn't even get fifty yards, and that's
0: oh, they, and that's where the offensive line—they got a couple of guys back. Yeah, but they were, came they were, back. They were playing hurt. Came back, but yeah, they weren't at their best. It's I've seen so many territory cups, and you have two where you leave at Arizona loss, so you're just like pissed about something. Oh, that like last year, for instance, there was a lot to be upset with. <laughs> last year, the year before, the year, the year before, before. The, year, <laughs> the year before that, I think Arizona won. That was the no throw. That was, yeah, the no throw yeah. pass on the side. But then like the year before, like, there's games you say, this went against Arizona, bad play, a bad color. What the hell were you doing? Last year was mostly what the hell are you doing? Yeah. This year was just like, you yeah, know, okay. And maybe, I don't know if that's apathy towards this team this season, because last year, if Arizona wins at home, they go to a bowl game and you feel pretty good about things this season. That wasn't part of the. Equation. They weren't going to a bowl game, but it was hard for me to be upset. I'm just like, okay, it would have been nice to win. I would have loved the bragging rights. A lot of friends who are ASU fans it would have been nice to get a Territorial Cup back. But it's like, eh, they lost. ASU was better. Fine, I can accept that. Like, not only accept to say I'm cool with ASU being better than Arizona. But in this game, in this season, that's kind of how it was.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we mentioned when we were riding to the to the tailgate. Like, this was the least hyped either of us had felt before a Territorial Cup game, just because it's, you know... Do I think we had a chance to win? Sure. Did we expect to win? I, I mean, I didn't. You you picked them to win, but I don't know if you necessarily were going to bet your life on that. No, I wouldn't have. You know, it's... I was kind
0: of right about ASU not scoring a lot. I think, what I say, 31-27? They only got 34. It's just Arizona's offense disappointed me. Yeah. I was wrong. I'm not trying to say I was close. Like, I was wrong, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean...
1: It, I, I found myself thinking during the second half, too, like when it was clear that it was going to be ride or die with Khalil Tate. It's like, well, it's going to be what it's going to be, and it's either going to be crazy plays or it's going to be questionable turnovers and a lack of running game that wears down and or their, their offense runs down our defense's yeah. throat. And, you know... <laughs> Let's just let this game end at some point And just like, you know, I thought you were going to say, let's start with the bad, the bad news with U of A football. I thought you were going to say, let's start with the good news. The football season's over.
0: I, I like watching U of A football because I hate myself. So that's one good thing before we kind of move on to the Kevin Summon. By the way, Kevin Summon's still the coach. But Jamari Joyner had seven catches, 140 yards, two touchdowns. Awesome. He was great. And it's kind of one of those guys that makes you feel like, hey, there's hope. That's a player who developed. Now, granted, he hadn't played any receiver before this season, so the fact that he changed like he's gonna get better just organically by playing receiver. But there are there were there was a bright spot. I can't say they were plural, but it wasn't the worst performance we've seen from Arizona in a territorial cup game. It wasn't the worst performance we saw this season. It was just eh.
1: Like I said, it was the encapsulation of the whole season in yeah. my mind. And it's just we're all at some point. It was just like let's just wait for this to be over, and we can look ahead to the off season and hopeful improvements. But well,
0: and that improvement, a lot of people were thinking maybe it would be Kevin Sumlin would be out the door, and Dave Hickey after the game said no, Kevin Sumlin's the coach. Uh, someone talked about the process, which is a much everyone says when things aren't working: stick to the process. C- clearly, Joel Embiid is going to be our new defensive coordinator.
1: <laughs> If he's looking for a new role. I mean, he'd be a great pass rusher off the edge. You think? That wingspan? He's a little fragile, though. Man, he could just knock down
0: so many passes, though. He would, until he gets hurt. But <laughs> but that's what they said, that Kevin someone's going to stick it. He's going to be the coach still, that they're going to go find new defensive coaches that they need. Who knows what other shakeups might happen on the coaching staff. But I know we talked about last week, Brett, where it's like, if they fired someone, okay, I get it. If they kept him, okay, I get it. Now that they've kept him, though, how do you feel about that? Because now there's no other option. Like, Kevin Sumlin is the coach. There's going to be a third year of Kevin Sumlin as the head coach. I mean,
1: I, th- I can't remember if I said it, like, se- several weeks back when it was starting to the, – the hot seat rumors were piling up. I think if Arizona fans want to have a realistic perspective on their program and what it is and what it's capable of, I don't think we're a program that can afford to be impatient with a coaching hire. Uh they literally can't afford it. Well, I mean, both <laughs> literally and figuratively because, you know, you're not going to have it's it's very hard to have somebody come in and make an impact in year 1. I mean, look at even A&M. what was their record this year and they got uh what's his name? Yeah, the Jimbo. Coach? yeah. And like that was all accounts, you know, the best hire possible they threw all sorts it's of lots money, of at, money him. at him.
0: You know, and
1: what did they go 7 and 5?
0: I wasn't paying attention to them, but I didn't I didn't hear much of them over the season. And yeah. so
1: it's like that I mean, if that's good enough to get someone fired... That's,
0: that's Jimbo year two.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like... It, and the argument it, would be, oh, he needs his players in place before you can really judge him. Which leads me to my next point. Rich Rod was fired relatively late, which is where you say the
0: decision's been made now. I mean, it's like, it's not... Well, there's always a slight chance of something else happening. If Some- like a triangle of secrecy that we don't know about, then <laughs> yes, I imagine Kevin someone may not make it to <laughs> January, but...
1: Yeah, but short of that, I mean, he was he was hired. Uh, he came on board in January. Uh, yeah, he was behind two, the eight ball, mid-January. Yeah. So it was just a couple of weeks before the second signing period, right? As yeah. I recall. So I mean, people that are critiquing the the recruiting quality to date, it's like, I mean, let's let's be a little bit fair here. And if you look at like the, I think we talked about it last week or the week before. There's, you know, the stars matter, but they also don't matter. In a, in some ways, right? Like a us in
0: football, I would think.
1: Well, I think the difference in football is if you have a if you have a entire recruiting class of high three stars that are mostly from you know your in state Texas and California, and they're like the higher three star recruits. You're doing okay, that team's going to win a lot of games,
0: assuming you can develop talent. And that's where two star Scoob, and that's uh, again where <laughs>
1: and that's and that that goes to my point of that's where I think you need to be able to be patient with the coaching staff and not expect results in year two
0: but i think it's fair to expect them in year 3 though right no matter what they do this recruiting cycle and i know they're going to have a they're, brand they're going to have a new quarterback yeah. now, which is going to be grant kennel most likely mm-hmm. they lose jj taylor mm-hmm. they lose some of the i think cody Creason, they lose him so they're going to have to make some changes but and that's like rich rod he made it to a bowl game in his first few seasons well first two and then i think they won the pacto south in his third season you're like okay this is cool he was a schemer and some of the guys who left, Kadim Carey for his first couple of seasons, Matt Scott, he had for his first year, had some experience. Guys who seem to fit his system, and I, if you're trying to give someone the out, and I'm I'm not anti someone I was for the hire when it happened. I still like to think that I was right, you know. So I, I don't want him to be bad, but if you were looking at Kevin Sumlin and saying, okay, he needs to bring in his kind of guys. Well, as far as anyone knows, Kevin Summons kind of guys were four- and five-star recruits that he brought to Texas A&M, and he did okay with them. It's A&M in a tough conference. I wasn't expecting to win 10, 11, 12 games every year, but he's not getting those kind of guys in Tucson. And then the question is, is it a good enough coaching staff to develop that talent? And if you look at the last two seasons with him and this coaching staff, who has gotten markedly better? In terms of players? Like Tony Fields was better this season than he was last season, but he was also pretty good as a freshman, so maybe just kind of getting back to his meet, his norm. But the counter could be that Colin Schooler maybe took a half step back. Right. And that's where and you wonder the type of guys that they recruited, like will Jalen Curry take a step forward, Kristen Roland Wallace, Bobby Wolf, Grant Cannell? If the if the Kevin Summer I don't know what he he doesn't call them OKGs, okay but if his type of players, the guys he brings in, if they improve and we won't be out scene until next season, then you could say, okay this is the type of player that his system needs and they can work with them. And the guys that Rich Rod had just weren't those types of guys. But I want to be on board with Kevin Sullivan. There's no choice. Like he's the coach, but to say you need patience and that the player development, because if you're not recruiting a superstar, the high four, the five star athletes, you're saying we can develop those guys, exactly. the three stars, or you know, there's some that people just miss. They misread on them. They misrank them and you get guys who are better than their stars rating is, but you have to believe in their coaching ability. And, that's where that's where I think it gets tricky for people. Because Kevin Someone's not a schemer. He's not a master tactician. What is his strength? And we talked about this last week. His strength's supposed to be as a recruiter and also supposedly developing quarterbacks. That was one of his reputations. Well, Khalil Tate, for whatever reason, and probably a half a dozen reasons at least, he took steps back, or he didn't take the steps forward that people thought he would under someone. So that's where it's interesting. That's where My questions are, and again, I'm on board with someone sticking around. Go get a good defensive coordinator. Hopefully you can find one that understands. Like, hey, you might only be there, you know. Maybe he'll be the coach and waiting. If someone gets fired, he'll be the interim head coach and maybe keep the job. But if you go get a good defensive coordinator, you bring in a solid recruiting. guys in Arizona, coaches, they've all been out. You see the tweets about who they're recruiting. There was the linebacker from Utah who was visiting, I think, for the Utah game. They were talking with him, Jabbar Triplett, one of the linebackers, a guy who was already committed, but you try to reaffirm that. Like, they're out there doing all they can. But we won't know the fruits of that until at least next season. Because even remember in the camp going into this season, I was like, oh, these guys take a step forward. It's a really good team. Look at the depth on defense (laughs) and all that. It didn't happen. So the hope, and if you're, whether you're team someone or just team Arizona and not, you don't care who the coach is, you just want them to win. The hope is that someone, guys, someone recruits, do take the step forward because the coaching is able to do work with them. If not, like, they have to go to a bowl game next season. Yeah, and if they get off to a, a bad start, they're one and four, two and five. I can't see someone making it through the season. His leash is as short as well. It's, I guess it's Mike Stoops after they lost what their last seven games that one season. It's John McAvick after the season where his players revolted on him. Like someone has to show something. He has to show it soon.
1: Yeah, and I think it's starting to show up a, a little bit. I mean, they in the since our last podcast, they got Regan Terry out of Florence, who was clearly a priority for them.
0: Uh, defensive end, you know, Nebraska isn't on him, and a couple other think, schools. Of your yeah, there's there
1: is a you know it's a decent offer list. He, his dad was a coach at Boston College, but that coaching staff got got fired. fired. So that,
0: that might have helped. Yeah, but, but still, I, he went to Arizona, and he had other op he had other options.
1: Yeah, and you know they're they're on. I, I forget where it was. Was it in? Georgia, Louisiana, another defensive end, and someone was watching his basketball game. Like he's clearly a big guy. I mean, for I mean, he kind of has to. You kind of expect this when you don't have a defensive staff currently, other than the interim guys and analysts.
0: Hobson's been out there recruiting. He was in Utah with that linebacker. Yeah, I saw
1: a tweet with him. Him posted. um, You know, it it seems as though I, I understand fans that. Wanted someone fired. I understand fans that mock the notion of trust the process.
0: because well, there's action. It, it, waiting out, waiting is boring. Waiting yeah. is like, well, nothing's going to change. You don't know. If, you can't guarantee change by doing nothing.
1: Right. And as of right now, we have what one de- defensive coach that remains from the start of the season in yeah, Martin. Me. Yeah. Um, who, non, not coincidentally, is considered probably our best recruiter. So it seems like. After how many seasons of Richrod and someone years of, you know, you kind of hear after the fact of some of these coaches weren't really doing anything on the recruiting trail or didn't really want to put in the effort or just, you know, uh, Yona before he got the, you know, fired for fighting on the sideline.
0: It's rare though to find the coaches who are great teachers and
1: recruiters, I feel. Yeah. Like. Well, one you could make an argument for him that he developed the interior alignment fairly effectively, but the edge rushers did not develop. Not
0: at all. Like, Jalen Harris, nothing. Now, they're still on his brother. That'd be a good get if Arizona can get Jason Harris. But that, that, that's the trick. And the star, like you said, the star ratings, they don't mean everything. But you feel better when you get four stars. and you get five stars, and then
1: but the Chacho, Chacho Ioyo was a four star and just transferred and he, out. Yeah, he's going. Well, he did. Yeah, and he then, played three games. games. Like, that's where
0: coaching and schematic fit make a big difference. But then you see ASU and they're they're getting a few four stars in their group. And Antonio Pierce, a U of A guy, is their star recruiter. They just hired a guy from from Oregon staff who's supposed to be a really good recruiter in California. Yeah. Who they don't even have a position. They don't know what position they're going to give him on their coaching staff. They're like, I'll just bring you in. Which. I guess I mean that's how it works, right? Like Dante was going to coach defensive backs for Arizona. I guess that's his thing, but they didn't bring him in because he was a coach. They brought him in because he could recruit for that half a season he was around, and then when he decided to leave. So that that's always a tricky thing. We, we wanna... paid
1: him to recruit for Oregon.
0: Yeah, that was that was awesome because <laughs> he had those relations <laughs> developed and then yeah tried to swipe them. So and, so that that's the trick there. But Arizona football, it's. <laughs> You have no choice but to trust the process, right? They're not doing anything else, and it's very understandable why that would be upsetting to someone. Very understandable because, again, waiting isn't doing anything. That's inaction, and people don't like that. You know, I don't like that either, but...
1: But a a lack of news does not mean that there's inaction.
0: Right. And did we... Any excitement about Kevin Sullivan that we had two years ago when they hired him? Like... They haven't won nearly as much as we thought they would since then. But did he forget how to coach? Is he not trying? Is it just he got a bad staff because the defensive? I mean, I'd love to know the whys, and maybe it's just Arizona is a tougher job than a guy like him. Like you need, this, you need the scheme master. You need the guy like Rich Rod who can outcoach other people, at least on one side of the ball. Mike Stoops was a defensive guy, and he, had a, he started off super slow. I the thing; his first few seasons were terrible, too, but granted, he wasn't taking over a team that went to a bowl game. Right, so that's where I think someone his biggest issue is. If you would have said five and seven, four and eight, okay, that's you know it's seen worse. Two season starts with Arizona, but he those guys weren't usually taking over teams that won seven games and were bringing back a quarterback who most people thought, hey, that's he wasn't on the cover of Sports Illustrated. So hand him the Heisman. Yeah, they probably shouldn't do that anymore, but <laughs> that's where Arizona football's at right now, and it's. Yeah, but I you just hope the recruiting class goes better. Hey, there's playing time. Come to Arizona. We need you, right? Yeah. That's, what the, that's what the recruiting pitch has to but be. But I, I think
1: for many positions, I think if you look at the roster, you can make an optimistic case and not just be Pollyanna-ish about saying, I think this team can dramatically improve if you improve a few spots specifically on the lines in terms of quality and, and quality depth. Because you've got to freshman quarterback who looked great you have a very young wide receiver group that seemed to actually you know to actually develop and show some real potential you still have running back depth you have intriguing uh, young corners you've still got schooler you still got field assuming nobody leaves they come back yeah you know you, you still have an underperforming safety group you still have questions on your d line but you know if you can answer some of that in terms of recruiting and it sounds like they're gonna go juco heavy on the defense and if you can get the coaching staff that can fill out that roster scheme and develop, you know, you, you, it's the Arizona job means you need to have people that can do all three of those things. And, you know, somebody can roll into USC and they don't have to be a great recruiter. That it's their rosters filled with four star guys without trying, you know, they it almost it replace recruiter with motivator, <laughs> right. And keep them away from distractions. <laughs> It's you know it's a different thing in Arizona, and that's then that's where it goes back to my central premise of I think you, I think you can't take you know he's only been on the job for twenty two months or twenty three months you know we'll see how the recruiting class closes out we'll see how the coaching staff uh, gets filled out which probably relates strongly to my the the former <laughs>
0: yeah you'd think
1: um, but you know if you can fill out if you can fill out the recruiting class well and smartly and have some people come in and develop i mean look at we we didn't have anybody that's really a linebackers coach last year i i think one of, like having scott boone letting him leave as a really good that was rough yeah you know maybe he I, it didn't sound like he was a great recruiter it didn't sound like he was an awful recruiter Getting but he was coach. a good coach yeah and you know there's i've read rumblings on like message boards and things and you can kind of and in, in his parents' Twitter handles will kind of indicate questioning (laughs) their uh, um, coaching. And, you know, I think you can resolve some of those things, especially, like, linebackers that are, like... And linebackers and safeties, you kind of need to know what you're doing schematically and teaching the mental approach to things. In addition to, you know, a middle... Like, Colin Schooler is not necessarily a freak athlete, but he's a good football player. And if you coach him up and scheme around that... Appropriately, you can put him in a great chance to be successful. You know, some of those other corner spots you need to have freak athletes that are also well coached. You know, but we'll we'll see how it fills out. I think people that are pulling their hair out and screaming to, "Oh, I'm never, I'm not going to renew my tickets," is, I mean, okay, so you'll be a a fan again when the weather is a little bit fairer. (laughs) You know, I mean, if I it's. I, I I've, I'm generally a person that thinks things are never as good or as as good as they seem or as bad as they seem in the moment, and I think Arizona fans need to pause, take a breath, and and take that approach to trust the process, if you will.
0: All right, another thing you should do, Brett, though, besides trusting the process, is go to the Google Store or the App Store and download the Vivid Seats app. Oh, yes, you know why? Why? Because you need tickets for games, for concerts, for shows, for anything. And vivid seats is your way to do it. I'm intrigued. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> vivid Seats, though, is your top source for tickets for every event you want to go to. When you go using the app store, whatever app you download, Google or Ant, or Apple, you can sort by price, look for your seats in the section and row of your choice. Whatever you need makes it easy to find your tickets. They'll be a good price too. When you do download the app and you sign up for Vivid Seats, you will be registered for Vivid Seats rewards, which is great. Sounds fantastic. It's a reward. Um, every purchase you make will be backed by 100% buyer guarantee, which is also really good. And also, because Vivid Seats is just filled with bonuses and options, when it is time to buy your first one on Vivid Seats, your first tickets, enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout, you'll receive a discount of up to
1: $100. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know how it will work if your tickets are like 75 bucks. You probably won't get up to 100 because I don't think they're going to Vivid Seats is great. They're probably going to pay you to get tickets. But...
1: Well, I mean, you're probably buying more than one, which will probably add up the total a little bit more.
0: So keep that in mind for football season when it starts up again next year. But also, basketball, the fun stuff, Brett. Yes. (laughs) Let's talk about that because we like good things. Arizona went to the Wooden Legacy Tournament, and everyone expected them to win. They were clearly the best team in the field. And Arizona did win. They got the trophy. That's nice. The game against Pepperdine was close. 93-91, the final. Nico Manion made a last-second shot to win it. Beat Penn 92-82, and then held off Wake Forest 73-66. to We don't need to break down every single game. That's we, There have been multiple games. The Pepperdine game was like, okay, they couldn't stop Pepperdine from making these shots. But, hey, Arizona was making shots too. Great. Ten, kind of a similar thing, and then Wake Forest' the defense was much better. Dylan Smith, though, <laughs> what a weekend oh, he man. had!
1: <laughs> if that's if that's the Dylan Smith we get for the se- the rest of the season,
0: championship.
1: <laughs> I mean, anything happens once you get to the to the tournament, but th- then we're for sure a top ten team, and it's it's not really a question.
0: And this was a situation where they needed him to do that, especially against Pepperdine. He made a couple of big threes. You're just like, oh. If he, and Josh Green also was feeling it from three in that game.
1: A couple of those were even questionable shot choice. That's like, the, I think I Sean you know, Miller it a couple times feeling
0: it. looked like Sean Miller was like
1: looking at him even after he made one, like, like What are you doing? What the, what the hell are you shooting that I for? I damn well better make that because
0: otherwise I'm pulling your ass out of the game, basically. <laughs> but I, I, that's, he's a senior. He's one of their better defensive players. So he probably has a few more liberties like that. And when he's shooting the ball well, and that's, that's the, we talked about with this team how many options they have where you never thought they would need Dylan Smith. They needed him that week, last weekend, and he stepped up for them because you could say it, it's easy without Dylan Smith making a couple of shots. They don't beat Pepperdine, yeah. who couldn't miss, by the way. And we could talk about Arizona's defense, which hasn't been great, but there was also some shots like really, like you have to make all your threes, and, right? <laughs> and they did. And I, I forget what the exact. I think it was like twelve of twenty something. Like it's a lot of threes that they made. They also took a lot of threes.
1: Yeah, at some point that it's not. A, it's the trend, not the. Uh just luck, and sure. that's a reflection of our well, I poor defense. Like Pepperdine's
0: next game, they made, like, four or something, so I mean, well, it was just bad defense, you know, or they were tied. Also, also,
1: also, you know what happens in the next game? There's a different team playing defense.
0: Sure, sure. But that, that's where, leaving this tournament, Arizona plays Baylor in the next game, which is number 18 Baylor. Arizona moved up in the rankings, they're number 12, and Baylor, I think Ken Palm has him losing to Baylor, so that's mm. that's something, but it's a really tough matchup, and a week ago, Oh, this Arizona team's really good. They've been crushing everyone. Then they go to the Wooden Legacy Tournament, and the defensive problems that we had seen flashes of, at least, earlier in the season, almost bit them. They almost lost one, or you could even say the game against Penn because their defense wasn't that good. It got better against Wake Forest, sure. And to Arizona's credit, they had the offense to keep up. And in other seasons, if their defense was that bad, Arizona wasn't scoring in the 90s. <laughs> they would lose that game by 15 <laughs> or 20. I'm not sure how this is going against Baylor because Baylor's tough. That's on the road. I know Baylor, they're playing in their uh, football game too, so they're offering free tickets to anyone who wants to go because they just <laughs> want to fill up their arena. But it's a great test for a team that, you know, you said last week that maybe it wouldn't be better if going to lose a game for that teachable moment. And I'm like, you know what? And this is like the Bruce Aarons, that I used to cover the Cardinals. He used to say, like, I'd rather have a teachable moment out of a win. And you can still do that too. If you're Sean Miller, there's plenty of teachable moments in those games, especially the first two in the Morgan Legacy class. We say, hey. You have to play defense. You can't expect Dylan Smith to make two threes or three threes a game. You can't expect Josh Green to make five threes every game. You can't expect to score ninety plus points every single game. You have to stop somebody every now and then. We'll see.
1: Yeah, the the first two games of the of that tourney, I think I can't remember if I texted her or if I almost texted you.
0: I think it was an almost text. I think it was
1: an almost text where I was like, "Hey, all those uh, defensive concerns I had, they're showing up right now because." <laughs> Pepperdine Pepperdine is a well-coached team. Lorenzo Romar is a great coach. They've if you have a well-coached team with a reasonable amount of talent, you can do a lot, especially schematically. You know, kind of paralleling what we're talking about in football, right? And it didn't honestly we won by 10 against Penn, but I think Penn is a worse team than Pepperdine and probably not yeah, as well-coached.
0: Not a bad team. No, that's it's that's not a signature win by any stretch. It's just Yeah,
1: okay. No, but what about a bad loss? But what, we gave up 92 points to them or something. What was the score on that? It was like 94, 92 or something? Uh, 93, 91. Ah, how embarrassing for me. Oh, man. Do you even show prep, man? (laughs) I mean, I'm still on one hand number of shows. uh. (laughs) And so, yeah, watching the Penn game, I didn't feel better, particularly about the defense. I did feel considerably better in the Wake Forest game, which they've got some intriguing talent on that team too. Like that French center was is just like a, a freak monster, and and God bless Chase Jeter. That game, I, if there was a game I was not expecting him to dominate offensively, it was that one. And I think he was it the Penn game that he really struggled, and and you know, in the was it the Wake Forest game that Zeke Naji looked like he didn't have a good night's sleep the night before. Yeah,
0: he was, That was his first truly bad game of the season, but. Arizona still won. Jeter stepped up. He had 17 points in that game and nine rebounds. Josh Green, eight points but 12 rebounds. And, of course, Nico Menu, I think, was named the most outstanding player in the tournament because he's great. (laughs) Could have gone to Dylan Smith, man. (laughs) Dylan Smith had 20 points against Wake Forest. He was fantastic. So that's where, as they get set for Baylor, who is good, like, for everyone who's wanted Arizona to have that signature win, to have that true test, this is—they've been tested. But the first one you go and saying, "Wow, if they can win this game, that'll say something about them." Like Arizona's good, right? They're going to have to get better over the course of the season, especially defensively. But Arizona is good. So is Baylor. And that's what makes it such a fun game. It's an early game. The crowd will be interesting because of the fact that they're giving away free tickets because they're afraid no one's going to go to that. They're all going to go to the football game. We'll see. Because Arizona, like I get the feeling, and maybe I'm wrong because we really haven't seen this tested. But especially like with Nico Man, this is a team that I think will get up for the bigger games. I think so. That they have that type of mentality where you have all these guys who were five star recruits, four star recruits who played in big games, championship games, and how many times did Chumma talk about these, especially these freshmen who they're winners? So they played in championship games. They're used to high stakes. When it came down to those games at the Woodland Legacy, they made their plays. Nico made shots, made passes. The play that got them the lead against uh, Pepperdine, a great play that ended up with a Najee dunk, which, of course, then Pepperdine went back in tight, and then Nico went the length of the court and scored. They made the plays. This is a team that didn't fold. They didn't panic. They didn't start making silly turnovers, which we've seen before. They didn't start jacking up terrible shots because they, they just ran their offense so they played. Now, you'd like more stops, but when they had the ball, they looked like they knew what they were doing. They were in control because, especially with Nico, and maybe it starts with your point guard and trickles down from there, he relishes that moment. He was ready for the moment, and he wanted it. And I'm not saying he's going to take the big shot every time. I don't think he should. In that case, you just run to the court. If they're not going to stop you. Keep going. But that's not to say they're going to beat Baylor because it's a bigger game. But I, I, like the idea of this team playing those games because we saw it against Illinois too when they were in Tucson. It kind of reminds me. Was it Seabiscuit? biscuit? The movie like He's got to look the other horse in the eye, and then he starts running. Like <laughs> this team has that mentality. That has that vibe to me. Is when that when the stakes get higher, so will their play.
1: It's a funny analogy because I was going to say that their response was to just move the ball back up the court every time they gave up a a bad play on defense to have Josh Green dunk the ball within three seconds of the of gaining possession. Works for me. Effective offense. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Seven seconds of le- or less eat your heart out. We're at three seconds or less with Josh Green doing Take that, dunks. Mike
0: D'Antoni. Yeah, I, cool
1: I think I think you're right in that these guys, I think they're going to be more juiced for this game. Um, I think that it's dangerous that they seem to their defensive effort in those first couple of games, and maybe that's where it was the winning teachable moment. That hey, you still could have lost this game, guys. It was, it was, it was always in doubt. Like you're one missed three away
0: from likely losing. Yeah, you had some strong plays. That there were a couple of times in each of those games with Pepperdine and Penn, especially where Arizona went up eight, went up ten in the second half. And you're like, okay, this is they where they start to pull away. away, and they couldn't put them away. And well, the answer to that is defense, right? Because if, if... A couple stops, a couple rebounds, a couple if, buckets, now you're up 15, 16, 17, if, the game's over.
1: If you're up 10, you don't have to score to win the game. You
0: just have to stop them from scoring. Yeah. Well, that's... You know, that's not, partly, not to
1: oversimplify it, yeah. but, you know, if you get a... If you... The margin for error for the other team on, on their possessions is slim, and you need to just, you know, make it even slimmer by getting two, three, four stops, and the game's over with four minutes left, right? Yeah. Um. That being said, you know it's going to be a really intriguing test to me. Also, not just the fact that it's going to be a good team; it's on the road. But their two leading scorers are perimeter players that yeah, have that also shoot the ball well. At least so far this season, from the Jared v- Butler and Masio Teague. Yeah, they both shoot well from the, th- uh, the three point line, which has been our bugaboo, uh, I would say. And you know, we're gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and assume that this is probably better athletes than most teams we've played. <laughs> I mean, we we face some good athletes, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a different kind of challenge. The question is, can they rise? uh, You know, raise their 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 focus and their intensity, especially on the defensive end. It's
0: an early game. It was at eleven o'clock Tucson time. Might even be ten. Might even be ten. I don't like ten o'clock games. Do I even show prep, man? Yeah, it is ten o'clock. You're right. Yeah, (laughs) but that's that's where there's so many things in this game where this isn't a normal game for them. Usually, don't play this early. They're going to Baylor. It's a tough environment. They're going to play tough environments in the Pac-12. But you mentioned their guards are their strength. They got Those are the only two guys that Baylor has scoring in double digits. Yet this is a 6-1 and one team with wins over uh, who they... They beat a few teams this season. They beat Nova. They beat Nova. They only lost... seven seventy eight. 78 They lost to Washington. At Washington by three. Yeah. But that's this a tough team, place to play. This is a team that beat the crap out of Arizona last season. Now, granted, last year's Arizona team was not nearly as good as this year's Arizona team. But... It's one of those games where we don't know where Baylor's going to be, but they're ranked. And they're a top 20 team. Arizona's ranked higher, and yet Baylor's favored to win. So it's a good environment. It's a good test for this team because Arizona's not going undefeated this season. No. But if they can win this game, you'll feel a lot better about them because they haven't played in a hostile environment yet. And again, with the crowd the way it's going to be, who knows how hostile this will be. Like it's not a bad drive for guys, for people from Tucson. Just go, go watch them for free, <laughs> right? Vivid Seats app, man. Yeah, you don't have to. I'm sorry, you, oh, it's Davis free tickets. Giving, All right, yeah, tickets. Like you could pay on Vivid Seats. That's cool. But I would save your, you know, your hundred dollar uh, promo thing for tickets. Actually, to pay for
1: yeah, the I, the early start time because that's going to be what nine. Or I mean, or it's ten. It's ten o'clock Tucson time, so it's right? Like Eleven o'clock their time, I think, right? Are we only. I, I assume that's that's Arizona time noon said, right? their time. Yeah, it's 10 it's 10 only one hour time. difference right now. So I'm really bad at time zones. <sighs> yeah, but hey, I can't help but I know it's a different sport and all, but last time an Arizona sports team went to Texas for an
0: early uh, road test. So as long as Khalil Tate doesn't sprain his ankle on the second series of this game, then the Wildcats will have a chance. Ba- Baylor's just going to throw the ball deep down the sideline on the whole game. <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's what's fun about this game. and I, we, we talked about it last week. Is it, you, you're disappointed they haven't played these types of games. and like, I, You schedule who you can schedule. You play in the tournaments. You hope that teams are better than you think. and Arizona doesn't need to win this game. They don't even need to play this game in order to have their RPI be where it's good. They're going to be fine. Arizona's a tournament team. But it is a good chance to see how these freshmen play in an environment that we haven't seen them play in. We've seen Chase Jeter play in Hustleman. We've seen Dylan Smith play in those environments. We haven't seen Zeke Nagy do that. We haven't seen Nico Mannion run his offense, run his team when the crowd's against. We haven't seen Josh Green play that. We're left to assume that they can do it because, again, they've played in big games, and these are elite basketball players as freshmen. But that's what I think we're all looking to see. It's where they win the game, and we're all hoping for a win but I just kind of want to see how they respond in this situation and what it looks like for them because they are playing better athletes than they've faced up to this point. They're playing in an environment that they haven't been in up to this point. I'm curious.
1: Yeah, I mean, my initial inclination is that uh, Nico might be one of those guys that actually responds well to... I think so. You know, um, at least to the environment. Now, how he handles the, the athlete level that's facing him might be something that frustrates him more. But you know, I think he's actually somebody that will respond positively to the negativity uh, from the crowd, which might help him raise his game.
0: As long as it's not too intense, right? And you get the sense that he knows how to manage his emotions. When yeah. he's out there. Yeah, but like, there's a, there's a point where you don't want to be too emotional, too into the game. I guess you need to be focused. You want to play hard, but you can't go overboard.
1: Right? You know, I, I, th- I mean, I, I'm a broken record because so I think the fo- the key, needs to be. Defensive effort in this game. I think the offense is always going to be there. And to be honest, if you look at all the games, look at even the the, the Wooden Legacy tournament. We never had. We had each one of those games. One of our key guys, whether it's Jeter or Naji or some or Josh Green or whoever, somebody was not having their best game.
0: And it didn't matter. There was and it didn't offense. matter. Dazard and made a couple of shots. Or Dylan Smith had a big game.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, so we actually honestly haven't even seen the team click on all cylinders offensively,
0: but we certainly haven't seen it defensively, not and defense needs to travel. Defensively, at least a nice thing, and this is why it's not a I mean, certain test, both Butler and Teague are 6'3 guards. These aren't those wings that have, in the last couple of years, at least since Rondé, just killed Arizona. Who the guys that like, These are Dylan Smith type of games, right? You put Smith on one of them, Josh Green on the other. I don't know where you hide Nico, if you and have to hide Nico, but size-wise, their best players are not the types that should give Arizona fits, but they're good players. And like you said, they can hit the three. So Arizona's defense has to be better. I still believe it will be like, it should get better. I don't know if they're going to be, a, they're maybe not going to be a great defensive team. Cause they don't have like, they don't have the five or six guys are, like defense first, superior, superior athletes just lock you down, but they should be a decent defense. They have enough athletes. They have enough length. They have enough size to be a decent defense, maybe not top 20, but top 40, I think they should be able to get there. And if you can combine that with their top 10 offense,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's something I was thinking about earlier today, and I'm curious to see how it plays out where we've got these two, you know, like you said, smaller guards, but are good shooters from the outside. You know, they're by far and away Baylor's top two scorers, right? They count for, what, 38 points a game, I think, so probably half their offense on average. You know, Arizona's a team that's good enough that – you know, like the old John Wooden teams. Like when he would be talking about, uh, you know, in coaching, he would almost never talk about the other team. He'd be talking about what they can be doing. And because if Arizona is doing the things that they can be doing uh, to their utmost, they're going to win almost assuredly. They don't have to yeah. game plan for the other team
0: necessarily. So if you play your game and you play well, you're going to win.
1: And I think Sean Miller has a little bit of stubbornness to that, and that in that uh, in a, an attachment to that kind of mentality, hence his. You know, it, it took almost moving mountains for him to try his zone defense out of desperation. And it looked bad. Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> if you can't play defense, you can't play defense. It's yeah.
1: But, like, I, I'm curious. To, I'd be curious to see if, knowing that they have these two guards, do you put Josh Green and Dylan Smith, two bigger guys that can, like, you actually adjust your uh, defensive lineup, have them guard those two, even if they're not the, necessarily the positional matchup. And put Nico on a, you know, I don't know how tall their their starter at the three is, but, you know, can you, not necessarily to hide Nico, but to try to put your best defenders on their two scores. And I, I you know, there's part of me that wants to be stubborn and be like, no, we should all beat it straight up, man to man, not trying to adjust
0: our matchups. No, you you put your guys out there on the players they match up best against. <laughs> like if, well, I mean, if, if, if Baylor's not a huge team, they're predominantly guard heavy, at yeah. least in terms of the guys who are their leaders and everything. So it's not one of those like this is a type of game where maybe Zeke Nagy could have that game, you know, where he goes out there and has a big game where Arizona's biggest could do some damage. But, you know, we forgot to take one more break. So let's take a break real quick. Okay. All right, thanks for sticking through that break. Brett, do you have any more thoughts? No. No? (laughs) Nothing?
1: uh, I mean, like I said, I'm really curious to see how this game turns out. Um, I I don't think if it's a loss, it's a bad loss. I don't think if it's a win, it's a season-defining win. I think it's a true measuring stick and an opportunity to identify where the true weaknesses are on the team, Uh, whether it's personnel, effort, scheme, um, or you know, <laughs> coaching in general, in terms of what we were just talking about with matchups. But yeah. I'm I'm intrigued to see how it plays out.
0: I think that's where we're all at with this team, just because again, it's they're better than most of us expected early in the season, at least in a different way. Offensively, they've been like, whoa, who, we haven't seen a team like this, maybe ever. Like, where they're at right now, through their first nine games, this is probably the best offensive team we've seen in Tucson ever. I would think. I mean, that's, that's a different game than it was. 20 that's a years bold ago statement. <laughs> But seeing what they're doing, there's many options they have. They can hit the three. They can go down low. But will it travel? And if it doesn't, if the offense takes a game off, can Arizona still beat a good team? And Baylor is a good team, so I agree with you. It's It sounds like hedging. Oh, if they lose, it's not the other way. It's not. But if they win, it's like, that's that's a good sign. And that's all we're looking for. This is still the early part of the season. It's non-conference. You're looking for good signs because we've seen plenty through the first nine games. Now let's see a few more. Ideally, show that improvement. See the teaching moments that happen in Anaheim, put into practice at Baylor. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that game, and there's another one in, after that one too. Probably I'll have before our next show. But it's what's it? One of the Omaha Oma- or something? Omaha, an Omaha. The Omaha Mavericks. I just learned that I was today years old when I learned that the Omaha Mavericks. But we're going to talk about that next week. Until then, bear down. Bear down.